Before I get started, I, I just wanted to mention a couple things. I, I, um, I wanted to let you know that uh, we heard, we got word uh, early this morning that um, that Liz Curry's father passed away early today, early this morning. Uh, so please, please keep Liz and her family in your prayers. Uh, also, just heard word before the service started that uh, that Debbie Jackson is at the hospital. Uh, so we, we need to pray for her as well. So um, I know we've had some prayer time already, uh, but Jesus said that his house shall be cal- called a house of what? <laughs> right. So I don't think we can pray too much when we come together. So um, I, I think we should uh, just offer a word of prayer for uh, Liz and her family and then also for Debbie before I really get started here this morning. So let's pray together. God, uh, thank you. Um, thank you, Lord, that you're with us no matter what is happening in our lives. And you are faithful, God, to us, and, and you, are, uh, you are able to handle whatever may be taking place. And, Lord, you know the things that are happening in each and every one of us in our lives and the lives of our families. And, Lord, we, we just lift up each and every person here that's represented here today asking God that you'll bless them, that you'll take care of them, that you'll bless their families, that you'll help them, Lord, through any kind of trouble, any kind of trial they're going through right now. Lord, we, we think of a couple families in particular, a couple people in particular this morning as we, uh, as we go to you in prayer right now. Lord, we want to pray and ask that you'll help uh, Liz and her family, Lord, as they grieve the loss of her dad. And just, Lord, be with them and comfort them and surround them with your love and your care. Uh, Lord, I know that, um, that as she grieves, she's also rejoicing that her dad's with you. And we just thank you, Lord, that you were able to take him by the hand and, and uh, help him, Lord, with that transition. But, Lord, just, just be all around the family, blessing them, taking care of them, helping them to sense your, your presence, your love, and the love of others as well. Lord, we also want to uh, lift up Debbie and ask that you'll take care of her and, and heal her and help her. And Lord, as she is at the hospital right now, we pray that we'll get a good report that uh, she's feeling much better uh, as this day goes on. Bless her and Charlie and, and take care of them, we pray. Thank you, God, for what you do. And we just thank you and offer all these things up and ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I know I sound kind of like a broken record sometimes when I, when I step up here to the podium, um, but again, the worship team has led us in worship so well, and, and really the, the music, the, the words, the words of these songs, I hope, has, has ministered to your heart this morning as it has mine. Um, you know, as we were singing, uh, I'm going to praise you in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, I'm going to hear my praises roar. I, I love that line. I love that line. And it made me think of how, you know, if you go back to the day in which uh, I preached and you voted, <laughs> uh, that, that sermon was about Paul and Silas in prison. And they were in prison praising the Lord, right? They were praising the Lord in the middle of their storm, louder and louder, <laughs> And uh, what a great role model for us they, they were in that time. And I think that that's good for us 
to practice, and we should do that. Also, you know, just thinking about um, the first time that I heard uh, the, the, that last song. What's, what's that last song called? Living Hope. The, living. When, the first time I heard that song and I heard that line, um, then came the morning that sealed the promise. Yeah. His buried body began to breathe. When I heard that line, man, I just like... It broke me down. I, I was like, wow, you know, and I love that. I love that. When I thinking about that time in which death could not hold him, right? Death could not hold him. What's that mean for us? Death can't hold us, right? Death can't hold us. Actually, death is the beginning of eternal life with Jesus. Amen. That's fantastic. That's that's something to praise God about. Amen. So I just uh, I just love the way that uh, we've been able to come together and just really turn our heart to the Lord this morning and begin to think about what He's done for us. And that's what uh, that's what worship's about. Well, you'll notice that uh, we're still in this series called the Lessons from the Storms. And, uh, you know, when we're talking about storms, we're talking about difficult things, difficult things in life. And so when we started this, we, ta- we started talking about Paul and how he was on a ship and he was shipwrecked. And uh, in that storm, God actually brought him to an island called Malta where he actually had the opportunity to minister to people that he never would have had the opportunity to minister to if it hadn't have been for the storm. And that's a good lesson for us because sometimes in the middle of our storm, the blessing is that we find ourselves in a situation where we can minister to people that we never would have come in contact with otherwise, right? And so that was great. And then last week we talked about, <clears throat> we talked about Jonah and the whale and uh, Jonah and how uh, God really had sent that storm upon Jonah and it was to teach Jonah some lessons, but really not just to teach him lessons. Because we can learn lessons and have uh, no heart change, right? But he sent that storm on Jonah, and, and really all of these different things happened to Jonah. And it was because God, God really wanted to mold Jonah's heart, break his heart, and make his heart a heart of flesh. A heart that really cared about the people that he had been sent to minister to the Ninevites, and uh, we talked about how Jonah didn't get that. He he didn't get it. So sometimes God's trying to teach us things, and we don't get it, do we? But we really need to be attentive to what God's trying to teach us and get it. Because what we did last week is we finished with a story about a lady by the name of Corey Ten Boom that had the opportunity, and I and I call it an opportunity. At the time, it didn't seem like an opportunity to her, but it was an opportunity to reach out and shake the hand of a guard that was a guard in the concentration camp that she was in and offer forgiveness to that man. Wow. That's, that's incredible grace. That's incredible forgiveness. That's the kind of grace and forgiveness, though, that the Lord has given to us. And we are to be agents of grace, right, to the people around us. 
And so we're learning lessons. We, we're, we're talking about these storms and we're learning lessons. God's showing us some things. God's helping us to understand that we can actually um, trust him with our heart. Amen. He has our best interest in his heart. And he's trying to do some things in our lives to help us to be more like him. And don't you want to be more like Jesus? That was weak. I just asked you a question and you, you said, well, yeah, yeah. That's what it sounded like from up here. Don't you want to be more like Jesus? That's better. A little better. All right. Well, let's, we're going to read. We're going to dig right in this morning. We're going to read from Matthew uh, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. 22 through 33. Um, and we're just going to talk about this really uh, wonderful uh, moment in time in which something took place in the life of Jesus that we know about, probably. If you don't, you're going to be amazed by this. Uh, if, you, if you have heard about this, you're going to be like, yeah, I, I love to hear about it. Every time I hear about that, I love to hear about that. But uh, this is something that took place in, in the life of Christ, and uh, there's some lessons here for us. So Matthew 14, uh, starting in verse 22. It says, immediately he, he being Jesus, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. I noticed when I read that, the second verse of that that I forgot to have you guys stand. Were you, were you wondering why? I forgot. I forgot. So, it's <laughs> good. Right on cue. So, Moses, uh, Moses, Joshua, Elijah, and Elisha, if you go back into the Old Testament, all four of those um, prophets, they had moments in time when they did uh, miraculous things with water. Uh, they did miraculous things with water. However, none of those that did miraculous things with water walked on top of it. <laughs> okay? 
So th- there's a scripture in, uh, in Job, and, and I don't really have it marked, but um, I'll, I'll just flip back there real quick. Job chapter 9, verse 8. And Job chapter 9, verse 8, uh, it says something that uh, I think is good for us. Um, if I can see it, I forgot my readers today. Uh-huh. Job chapter 9, verse 8. I can't even see the big 9. Oh, there it is. Okay, it says in Job 9, 8, He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. So clear back in the Old Testament, it is, it is talked about how God alone walks on the water. It is, it, that's, that's only for God, right? God alone walks on the water. It says that in Job. I want to mention a few things this morning that, that I, I really don't want you to miss in this, in this uh, series of verses. I, I want you to, to see these things and these, these, uh, these points in which we're uh, able to see things that happened in this circumstance where Jesus was walking on the water. First of all, I want you to notice this. Jesus makes, makes the disciples get into the boat and, and go out into the sea, right? He, he wants them to go out into the sea in the boat, into the Sea of Galilee. Now, interestingly enough, uh, what I've read about the Sea of Galilee is that it is very common for storms to come upon the Sea of Galilee very quickly, like all of a sudden, like boom, there's a storm, you know, and, and I think we can understand that. We've probably been in situations where all of a sudden the sky got really dark really quick and boom, we're in a storm. I, I can remember one time my dad and I was out golfing and we were, um, we were golfing and several of the holes had been going the same direction and, and we were, you know, going this, this same direction and all of a sudden, we uh, got to a hole that was coming back the other way. And we got back to this hole and, and got to go on the other way. And we looked at the sky and we were like, uh-oh. We were in trouble because the sky was getting really dark behind us. And we didn't realize it until it was really too late. We were way far away from the clubhouse. And we had to get, try to shelter in a place where it wasn't very good shelter. And so storms come upon us quick. The Sea of Galilee was like that. It was a place where storms would, come, would happen very quickly. And so, but I want you to notice something. Jesus sends them into the storm for a teachable moment. He, he knew, Jesus knew that this storm was coming. You say, well, how do you know, how do you know that Jesus knew that? Well, I believe that Jesus was omniscient. That he was omniscient. He, he knew all things. And, and you say, well, how do, how do you think that he knew all things? Well, there's a couple reasons. Uh, if you go to, and we won't go there, but if you go to uh, Mark chapter 2, uh, there's a story of, of four friends uh, digging through a roof and letting their friend down through the roof, a paralytic man, and Jesus heals him. In that instance, as Jesus heals this man, uh, he notices, he he senses, they're not really saying it out loud, but there are teachers of the law gathered around and they're thinking, you know, that he shouldn't forgive sins, that he shouldn't say that his sins are forgiven. And it says in the scriptures that Jesus knew what their thoughts were. <laughs> so he knew that. 
He was all-knowing. That's not, that's not all. When Jesus meets the woman at the well, uh, he meets the woman at the well, and he begins to interact with her. And in his interaction with her, what happens? He begins to uh, tell her what her life is like. He actually tells her how many husbands she has had. And so he knew. He understood that. He, he knew that. He had omniscience. And so, and then that's not all. I'll give you one more example. Uh, uh, when he met Nathaniel, the disciple, uh, he, he, uh, he basically tells Nathaniel uh, that, that he sees Nathaniel and he, he, uh, he says, this is a man who, uh, who has no guile. He, he has, you know, no wrong in him. And, and so uh, Nathaniel looks at him and says, how do you know me? And he said, well, I saw you before Philip called you under the tree there. You see, Jesus was all-knowing. He, was, he, was all, he knew everything. He knew that this storm was going to happen. And yet, even knowing that this storm was going to take place, he still told them, get in the boat and go over to the other side. So he sends them and, they can, uh, and he sends them so they can experience something in Jesus that they needed to understand and that uh, they had yet to understand. You probably heard the phrase, um, all sunshine makes a desert, right? Maybe you've heard that, maybe you haven't. Uh, if, if all we ever had was sunshine, and, and again, thank the Lord for the rain this morning. We could hear it on the roof. It's supposed to rain periodically throughout the day. Hope you brought your umbrellas. We thank the Lord for the rain, right? Because if all we ever had was sunshine... What color would our grass be? It would be so brown. It would come a point in time where we wouldn't have grass. It would just be like dying. It'd be gone. And so what happens is we need the rain. And I want to tell you this morning that in our life, we need some times where it rains. <laughs> we need some times when, when things like that take place in our life because when storms take place in our life, when, when we have to endure storms of life and we have to go through difficulty in life, we grow more trusting in Jesus. We, we, we grow and we have, uh, we have a tendency then at times like that to be more courageous in the battle, more understanding of what is important in the time of a storm. Really, a lot of times what a storm will do is a storm will cause us to realize what is important in life and what really isn't all that important in life. So storms aren't always bad. Sometimes they're good for us. And, and a lot of times when we're going through a storm, the thing that we need to do is we need to say, God, what, what's going on here? What are, what are you teaching me? What do you want me to see? That's a good way to handle a storm. The, di uh, the disciples had some growing to do. So instead of Jesus saying, come on, guys, let's shelter over here in the cave because the storm's brewing. And we don't want to be out there on the sea while this storm takes place. So we'll go over here in this, in this cave and we'll wait out the storm. And once the storm's over, then we'll all get in the boat and head over to the other side. He didn't do that. He insists that they get in the boat and launch out across the sea and they're in a storm. They're in a storm. And Jesus sees that they're in a storm. And there's something that, uh, that really has been obvious in all of these 
uh, different stories that we've been talking about, all of these different storms that we've been uh, discussing, one thing that has been obvious amongst maybe some other things, one thing that's definitely been obvious is that Jesus knows when we're in a storm. He knows when we're in a storm. He knows when we're there. He knows when we uh, are in the, the middle of something difficult. He's aware of what's happening in our life. And he was not only aware, you know, of, of, of Paul in the storm, he was with Paul in the storm on that ship as it was going to wreck. And he was not only aware of Jonah in that storm, but he was with Jonah in that storm. And, and really, as Jonah ended up in the belly of a great fish and was praying, God met him there. God's everywhere, right? Can't go anywhere and be away from God. And so we see that. And, and so we know that as the disciples were sent onto this, into this boat to go across the lake, the Sea of Galilee, uh, we know that Jesus knew where they were. He knew they were in a storm. He was totally aware of what's going on. He sees them in the boat, and he sees when our boat is filling up with water. He sees when our boat is in trouble in the storm. He, he knows that. And he cares and he cares about his followers. He loves us. And he isn't, uh, he isn't, um, he isn't either sending the storm, because we talked about that. Sometimes he sends the storm. And then sometimes the storm is just there. It's just present. But he's in the storm with us and he wants to use the storm. But either, either way, he's, he's present and he's not trying to, we talked about this, he's not trying to crush us. He's not trying to ruin us. He's not trying to bring us down. He actually is, is doing all the things that he's doing for our good. Can you trust that? Can you trust that he has your good in his heart? I think that you can say, I, I think that you're saying that you can trust that. Jesus notices the disciples' predicament. And here comes Jesus. He's walking on top of the water. It's about 3 a.m. and Jesus comes strolling on top of the water. Now this is when it gets, this is when it gets crazy to think about this. Jesus it's 3 a.m., and, 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 and you can tell that it's 3 a.m. by the, it says the, the, the fourth watch of the night. Uh, that's, that was from, from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And so it's about 3 a.m., maybe 4 a.m. It's, it's early in the morning. And he comes strolling onto the Sea of Galilee, walking out the Sea of Galilee to the boat that the disciples in. And this is during the storm. This is the storm is raging as he's walking on this water. Now, I tried this when I was a kid. I remember as a kid, my aunt had a, a, a pool. And I tried this when I was a kid. I would get running. I would run as fast as I could to the edge of that pool. And I would, like, and I would try to walk on that water, you know. And I want to tell you that I didn't even stay on top of that water for one second. I mean, it was just like as soon as my foot hit the water, I'm, I'm going down. It's incredible that Jesus was walking on top of the water. 
And I think we can all agree with that, right? That's incredible. That's fantastic. And so, you know, when I think about that, I think, you know, Jesus, what, what Jesus is doing here, it defies the laws of physics. It just, it just defies everything. But listen, Jesus can defy the laws of physics because Jesus wrote the laws of physics. Right? The, the laws of physics have to be subject to him because he's the author of the laws of physics. Like he created this world. He created exactly how it operates and everything that, that happens that we kind of take for granted. He created all of that. And so if he wants to like defy it and ignore it, he can do that. And he's, and he's doing that here as we read. As he's walking on the, the top of the water, he's totally defying the laws of physics. And it's okay because he's the author of the laws of physics. And so I love the fact that they're subordinate to Jesus. So Jesus makes his way to the boat. And in one gospel account, it says that it looks like as if he would just pass it by. Okay, so we're reading from Matthew, but if you read this from Mark, uh, and, and I chose Matthew because Matthew has a little more detail, but Mark has a detail that Matthew doesn't share, and it is that Jesus was walking to the boat, and it looked, at least to them, like Jesus, like, like if, if this area right here is the boat, it looked to them like Jesus was just going to pass on by. <laughs> and it's like... Why would he do that? Why, why would he just, you know, like pass on by the boat? You know, he's walking out to them, we think, to save them, you know, to, to rescue them from the storm. Why would he just pass on by the boat? And I think that the answer for that is, is, is pretty simple, really. Jesus wants us to call out to him. He, he wants us to call out to him. You know, we're going through crazy stuff in life sometimes. We're going through storms or difficulties. We're going through things that, that has a tendency to drive us down and hurt us and cause us pain and cause us difficulty and, and cause us emotional pain and different things like that. And a lot of times we just become like... Uh, we, we become numb or, or, or we get in a shell or we... We hunker down and we think we can do this or we can take care of it. I've got to be the rock, right? How many times have you heard somebody say, I've got to be strong, right? I've heard that so many times. I've got to be strong for my family. They, they got to be able to look at me and see strength. <laughs> and I think sometimes we forget that Jesus wants us to call on him. He wants us to lean on him. You know, in, in Matthew 11, we're given this, um, we're given this um, really this illustration by Jesus about being, uh, you know, in a, in, linked with the oxen. <laughs> like, like in a, what do they call that? A yoke, right? Being yoked. And he used that as a, as a very... Um, very visual thing so that people could understand. He was like saying, yoke up with me. Why? 
so I can pull the load. See, you don't, you don't have to be, you don't have to be strong. You sometimes need to like lean on Jesus, get in the yoke with him, call on him. And I think that Mark was, was saying that. Mark was giving us uh, that, that other tidbit of information. Of course, we know that, that Mark's gospel is, uh, is really kind of taken from uh, Peter's preaching and, and, and a lot of things that Peter shared. And so uh, I think, it, you know, as, as Peter was sharing maybe what was going on here, uh, because he is the one that jumped out of the boat, uh, he, he included that, hey, it looked like, it look, when we were in that boat, it looked like Jesus was going to walk on by. We need to call on him. If you're in the midst of a, a, a difficult time, don't hesitate to call on Jesus. He wants you to call on him. Amen. As they, uh, as they see Jesus, they, they think he's a ghost. That's what it says. They, they think he's a ghost. And, 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 you know, I don't know, what would you think? If you were in the middle, if you were in a boat in the middle of a sea, uh, in a rip-roaring storm, and it's 3 a.m., and you see somebody walking on the water, what would you think? I mean, it... It said they thought it was a ghost, and I think that probably makes some sense if we really think about it, you know. But he wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus. <laughs> and so Jesus says, have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. That's, that's what he says. Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Now, literally from the Greek, the part that, uh, that is translated, it is I, actually means I am. Now, I don't know if that sounds familiar to any of you. Uh, but there's a scripture, and it's, it's back in Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 3. And in Exodus chapter 3, uh, verses 13 and 14. Again, this is a challenge. God help me. Uh, is that 13? No, that's 12. 13, I think. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name, what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Now, I think that's... I think that's really cool that when Jesus came to them and he spoke to them, he said, have courage, I am. Now, that's very significant. It's, it's extremely significant for us because, because what I believe that Jesus was telling them and is telling us as well is that he's identifying himself as the God in whom the disciples worshipped. No wonder when he got into the boat, they worshipped him. You know, that, that wasn't a normal thing for disciples to worship a teacher. 
That wasn't a normal thing. In fact, in any kind of setting like that, uh, if disciples, and I'm not, I'm not talking about Jesus' disciples and Jesus, I'm talking about disciples and a teacher. In any other situation, if disciples started worshiping their teacher, their teacher would be like, don't worship me. You know, get off your faces, don't worship me. But Jesus was telling them right then and there, in this moment of time, in this storm, I am. And he's saying, I am God. And so when he got into the boat, they worshiped him. And notice, Jesus didn't stop them. That's important. So, um, that last phrase don't say, says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The word of God has variations of do not be afraid well over a hundred times. Uh, Genesis throughout Re- Revelation. Well over a hundred times we're given this don't be afraid or a variation of it. Fear not. You know, something like that. Don't be afraid. Fear not. These are uh, what we call imperative sentences. And an imperative sentence is a command. An imperative sentence is a, is, a, is a direct order, so to speak. And so imperative sentences, there are well over 100 times throughout the word of God, these imperative sentences come to us to fear not, do not be afraid. Uh, and, and, and I love the fact that uh, when you think about that, you, you, you try to look and see how many other times is an imperative given, uh, the same imperative given throughout the word of God. And I will say this, this p- imperative is given well more than any other imperative throughout the Word of God. Do not be afraid. Fear not. And I think that's important. I read somewhere uh, where somebody said that there's one for each day of the year. There's 365. I'm not sure that's true. I couldn't confirm that. So I'm not going to say that that's the Word of God. But it would make sense because there isn't a day that the Lord wants us to walk in fear. There isn't a day that God wants us to be afraid. He wants us to have the kind of, of, of uh, confidence and trust and faith that we don't have to walk afraid. We don't have to walk in fear. I love what it says in First Tim, or 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us the spirit of, right, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Right? Amen. God knows that fear debilitates us, that fear paralyzes us, that fear keeps us from his plans, that fear keeps us from his will, that fear keeps us from his purposes for our life. I want to tell you that there are times that the biggest thing that I have to fight is fear. It's fear because, you know, I'm afraid what someone will think or I'm afraid what, how someone will react. And God doesn't want us to live like that. God doesn't want us to be debilitated by those things. He wants us to uh, just really have confidence in him and have confidence in what he wants to do in our life. The God of all creation is telling you today, don't be afraid. That is not of God. That is not of me. I'm, I've got, God's saying, I've got better things for you than fear. I've got better things for you. Now let's get to, uh, to what I want you to take with you today. Peter, old brash Peter, 
you know, he's, he's ready to do whatever. You know, he's, he's just, he's bold. He wants to get out of the boat. He wants to get out of the boat. And so, you know, he wants to walk on the water just like Jesus. And so he asked Jesus that if it's him, if it is Jesus, to tell him to come out onto the water. And Jesus says, come on. Come on. Come on, Peter. Go ahead. Step out of the boat. Come out with me. And so Peter steps out onto the water. Now, I've thought about this many times. How in the world did, what did that feel like? What did that feel like? I mean, did, when he stepped onto the water, did it like, did his foot go down just a little bit and water came up over top of it? Or was it like concrete? Or was it like he's just on top and like he's walking on like a hard surface? I, what in the world did that feel like? I don't know what it felt like. Um, I think... I think the way it felt would have a lot to do with the confidence that he had. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if it was squishy and he kind of went down just a little bit, oh, it's a little scary, you know? But if it's like concrete, like hard as a rock, you know, it's like, oh, this is good. This is solid. I don't know. We don't know. We, we have no idea. But we know that he was walking on top of the water, and, and, and here it is. As he's walking on the water, his eyes are on Jesus. He's looking at Jesus. He's full of faith. He, he's, his thoughts are on Jesus. His heart is on Jesus. He's amazed at what Jesus is doing in his life. He's amazed at what Jesus has enabled him to do. He's like, he's not on cloud nine. He's on top of the water, you know, he, but he's on cloud nine. You know, he's just thinking, this is amazing. This is great. And then this big gust of wind hits him. And, and I believe that, you know, a gust of wind maybe came along and he kind of he felt it. And when he felt it, a little thought came in his head. And then he looked over. He took his eyes off of Jesus. He looked over at the boat. And the disciples' robes were going, you know, they're flapping in the wind. And a big wave comes up over the boat. And what's he do? He begins to doubt. He begins to think, what am I doing out here? What am I doing out here? I should not be doing this. This is crazy. I can't do this. I can't do this. Huh. And he forgot that Jesus said, be courageous, I am. Don't be afraid. And he lost sight of the one standing firm on top of the water, and Peter's faith diminished, and as his faith sunk, Peter also began to sink. And here it is, this is what I, this is what I want you to remember today. That's what I want you to take with you. Don't let your focus be drawn off of Jesus in your storm. Keep your eyes on Jesus in your storm and keep your storm under your feet.
You want to keep your storm under your feet? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because the fact is, and this is just, this is just truth, you can't handle your storm. Your storm will sink you. But Jesus is the author of the physics. And if you're with Jesus, your storm can't sink you. You'll be stepping on top of that storm. Isn't that where we all want to walk? On top of the storm. Boy, I do. Boy, I do. I want to tell you, and and I'm wrapping up with this. I want to tell you that that I haven't always walked on top of the storm. (laughs) There's been times in my life that uh, I've been just like Peter. Actually, there's been times in my life that I've been just like the other disciples. I didn't get out of the boat. And then there's been times that I've been like Peter and I did get out of the boat, but I started to sink in my storm. And it's because I got my eyes off of the Lord. I got my eyes on myself or I got my eyes on me and my things and and I made it too much about myself. But church, I can tell you from experience as well that when I've kept my eyes on Jesus, oh, I've, along with Jesus, I've had dominion over that storm. That storm has stayed under my feet where it belongs. And that's, that is what we need. Walking with Jesus may not end your storm, but it will keep it under your feet. Okay? So, so when Peter started to, uh, to sink, and this is my last point, when Peter started to sink, what did he do? He reached out for Jesus, right? And Jesus grabbed him by the hand, and what did he do? He brought him right back on top of the water. So, so maybe this morning you're thinking, I'm in the middle of a storm and I'm sinking. Grab Jesus' hand. He'll bring you right on top of the water. I was in a storm and I sunk. <laughs> Isn't it amazing and wonderful that God is a God of second chances and he's still offering his hand to you to bring you up right on top of the water. You see, it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. It doesn't matter what's happening now. It doesn't matter what's going to happen in the future. You can always look to Jesus, get your eyes on him, keep your focus on him, grab him by the hand, and you will be walking on top of your storm. That's, that, is, that is not my promise to you. That is the promise of God. And God's promises never fail. Never fail. So, if you already feel like the storm is drowning you, call out to Jesus and he will grab you by the hand. Do you need Jesus' hand today? Every day, yeah. Amen. You may know somebody that needs Jesus' hand. 
Because like right now, you might not be in a storm, but you may know somebody who is in a storm. And maybe you want to pray for them that they'll reach out and grab Jesus by the hand. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you uh, this morning. And, and Lord, as we study these storms and as we, we talk about the things, Lord, that you want us to learn, the lessons, Lord, that you have for us. Today, Lord, we, we learn a lesson of keeping our eyes on you, realizing, Lord, that you are above the storm, that you have dominion over the storm, that the, so the storm is subordinate to you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for that because, Lord, we know that we fail in storms. We, we, we struggle in storms. And, and how do we deal with it? How can we get out of it, Lord? to put our eyes on you and grab you by the hand, to trust in you, to know, Lord, that you love us and that you care about us and that you have our best interest in your heart. Lord, there's someone here today that's going through a storm and they need to grab you by the hand. I just pray they'll do that today. I pray they'll grab you by the hand and you'll bring them up and you will teach them how to walk on top of that storm hand in hand with you. Lord, there's someone today maybe that's just lifting up somebody in prayer that they know is going through a storm and we pray for them together this morning. We ask, Lord, that you will help them, that you will speak to their heart, that you will help them to see that they need to call out, on, call out to you, Lord. That, that, that just like you were gonna, it appeared that you were walking past the boat, you weren't walking past the boat. You were giving them the opportunity to call out to you. Lord, give that individual an opportunity this morning to call out to you and receive, Lord, the things that they need to receive from you to walk on top of their storm. Be with them today. Bless them. Bless all those that are here. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in our hearts today. Thank you for the storms in our life and how the storms teach us lessons and draw us closer to you. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for teaching us today about some storms and walking on the water. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand as we sing?